Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, privyet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Ah, we have a brilliant show for you today with a marvelous returning guest. Writer, editor, content designer, and longtime friend of the show, Avital Andrews is our guest. Avital was the first guest in 2021. She kickstarted the year. And as we move into the second quarter of 2021, we thought there was no better choice than bringing her back. For as long as she can remember, Avital has always been intensely curious about people and places. In fact, when she was a kid, she had over 100 pen pals from all over the world. Whenever she meets someone new, she can't help but interrogate them about their lives. And those who know her are none too surprised when it becomes clear that she was going to make a living out of asking probing questions, that she was either going to become a journalist or a therapist. So she went out and got, as she describes, a fancy journalism degree from Stanford. And she's notched upwards of 15 years of writing and editing experience, cutting her teeth as an editor at the Los Angeles Times. Today, she's a versatile storyteller in a variety of media, print, web, radio, and television. And she does everything from crafting old-fashioned newsstand cover stories to cranking out sharp digital copy that lands her clients on Google's front page. Her editorial packages have received national media attention, including the New York Times, the Atlantic, Time, NPR, CNN, and MTV. She also develops blogs and e-newsletters for huge audiences. Her latest mission, which is inspired by her book-obsessed first grader, is writing children's books, and she's got a sparkly manuscript ready for the market. When you look at her meritorious CV, it all remains in the service of the same basic thing, and that's telling good stories and making sure that good stories get told because stories are important and they need to be shared. For me, some of my favorite conversations are when I get to chat with Avita because uh, she's uplifting, and after we chat, I always find myself reflecting back on our conversation and, and, and just thinking. The art of deep thinking is something that uh, is important to me, and Avita inspires me, and, and, and because of that, she's one of, one of our favorite guests now, on today's episode, to kickstart the second quarter, there wasn't a major theme. Instead, it's just musings on life and society, and Avatar reflects on the year and the changes that have occurred to her personally. She chats about the changing professional landscape, and she gives us a first-hand view of what it's like to apply for a career in the era of Zoom interviews. Avital and I also discuss another hot-button topic, and that is the state of education in today's society. And as a mother, she gives us some great insight on her desires for the future in education. Finally, Avital and I discuss the importance of anxiety. Yes, the importance of anxiety and how those nervous feelings can be an asset to one's life and how having anxiety should be looked upon as a positive thing. One of the most intelligent and thoughtful people that I know, I respect and admire how much effort, empathy, and compassion she puts into each of her answers. Today was a little more spontaneous than our past conversations, but I like the direction that our talk took us. Elated to have her back on the show, so let's go ahead and welcome back to Any Given Runway, my old friend, Avital Andrews, and let's learn. Happy to see your face <laughs> you and bring you back. Starting quarter two, you started off 2021 in quarter one for us, now quarter two. I'm honored. So how are things in the first 90 days of 2021 for you? What's been going on? Mm, good question. I guess it's just been a roller coaster worldwide, right? I mean... Just every, yeah, it's so hard to even, I feel like it's already been a year since the year started with the, um, with the insurrection and the vaccines and the inauguration. And I feel like I've lived a lifetime 
um, in my personal life, it's been, um, fairly the same, you know, where, um, I, you know, I got it, I, I did get a full-time job, so that's different, um, and it's positive. Gosh, so much has happened. I'm not, not quite sure where to start there. Well, I, I'm curious about applying for a, a position in 2021, applying for a new mm-hmm. career, because mm-hmm. there's so many things going on. First of all, just with the opportunity of working from home is probably something that's a yeah. priority. Yeah. And I'm wondering how just the hiring process was. So how was that process for you just overall? It was, it's really interesting to do interviews um, remotely. And I think recruiters are really active right now. Um, I don't know whether it has to do with the pandemic or the remote work or like the availability, people's availability or whatever. But um, I, I had recruiters contacting me like the last half of the of last year mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and I did do I did do like a number of interviews. I think they're interviewing a lot of people um, for the same, the same positions. So um, the first few didn't work out, but this last this last job did. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really interesting to do it all remotely. I had to Google like, you know, what to wear for a remote interview. And, all right. Well, what do you um, wear for a remote interview? Pretty much this, like <laughs> just, um, I mean, like it's just a sweater, like what like, I guess business casual. And, um, I guess you just pretend like you're in real life with the person just like you do, like you've been doing for a year. How did your preparation uh, for it change compared to years past? I think my successful interview, I was more off the cuff, to be honest. Um, I like, I think I had prepared for so many interviews that I was just like, you know what, like, I'm just going to go into it and be myself and say my thing and answer questions. And if they like me, they like me. And if they don't, there's probably another opportunity somewhere. So that, that was the approach. And I'm really lucky because um, my manager who hired me, um, we just had like amazing chemistry from the start. Like she's amazing. I still, I, you know, still feel that way. Um, so I think um, it's also just chemistry between people. How do you feel that one can stand out in doing interviews like this? Mm-hmm. Because I know that in the past when I've interviewed in person's great with the full charisma on display. I often like to, to have things to give them, whether it be not necessarily mm-hmm. a resume, but something, a show and tell mm-hmm. item that they can see. So yeah. how did that Props. change in your mentality? Yeah. 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 I do that too. I bring like ma- a magazine or something and, and oh. usually I'll let the, I'll make sure it's something they can keep. Or something like they can keep. Yeah, you find a, I've got another one over here. You keep that. I've got other magazines. That exactly. I've exactly. That. I create the, the illusion of, of grandeur maybe. Yeah. Um, or yeah, like I'll sign a book and, and bring it. But, um, Gosh, that's a great question. I'm no expert on that. But um, I, I mean, I think, like I said, I think a lot of it just depends on the personal chemistry that you have with the person who's interviewing you. Um, I think, I mean, we're all human, right? And I think that if, if someone likes you, they're going to like you. And if they're not going to, you know, if, if yeah. it doesn't work, or if they like someone else better, then um, that's just always going to be the case in all, all realms of life, right? So I think that's like the basic um, that's the basic level. And I think, um, the more interviews you do, the more likely you are to encounter, um, someone who likes you and whom you like as well and who you get along with well. Um, but I think also just, um, practicing a lot of interviews, like I said, it wasn't, it, that was definitely not my first zoom interview yeah. and the, and, uh, I definitely had a lot that were not successful. So I think just doing it and getting comfortable with it and practicing it even like even um 
if there are jobs that you're sort of like mildly interested in, but not, they're not like your dream jobs and you get an interview for it, you may as well do it because it's good practice talking about yourself and your accomplishments and answering those questions. And then also just getting to know people, networking, you never know um, when, you know, a conversation that you have with someone is going to come in handy or a connection that you've made. Um, so I guess, um, again, my non-expert opinion is, you know, practice, not, you know, not just interviewing, but also just social skills in general, which is hard right now. It's very um, hard. What about post-interview? Because I know you're someone who probably sends thank you cards or thank you letters because <laughs> I do as well. But in the past, it was also easier because you had X amount of work days. Now people's work hours are all in, in flux oh, yeah. and, and people email 24 hours a day. So I know in mm -hmm. the past when I've done one, it's like, okay, I'm going to email them tomorrow when I get to work because they'll mm -hmm. be at work at the same time. So, so following up, how did that change for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm, I'm glad I at least come off as someone who sends thank you. <laughs> thank you I figured so, you were because that, that's something that I love to do as well. <laughs> sometimes I do and sometimes I, I don't know. It depends on the situation. But I um, for for work interviews, definitely. And um, I, I'm much better at sending emails these days than I am at sending written communications, which is um, ironic, I think, because I, I told you how many pen pals I had when I was a kid, but, um, but I don't know. I think I like did myself out with that because, um, now like now I'll just email, but yeah, I just, I just email with something genuine about the actual conversation that we had. Um, not, not generic. Like, you know, I love talking with you about whatever, you know, whatever we talked about and, you know, I'll only say that if I really did genuinely love talking about that and just express how enthusiastic you are about the position and the relationship and continuing to, you know, communicate. Um, just, I think expressing enthusiasm in your own way and personalizing it to the person whom you're sending it to is, is always a good approach. You mentioned the amazing trait of confidence of saying when you interview, you know, if they like you, they like you, if they don't, you know, and they're not taking mm. it personal. It's meant mm. to be or it's not. Mm -hmm. when did that develop because I know that for me that's not something that I was born with mm -hmm. and it took time even once I became a professional it took time to develop that confidence because you leave an interview like what did I do wrong and you dwell mm -hmm. on it for weeks so when did you first start developing that confidence and then how did you do it? oh gosh um <laughs> I don't know that I don't I don't know that I I'm always working on that that's mm -hmm. something um it's probably something that never stops right you it's not yeah. it, it's not a destination where you're like hey I'm confident and then I'm done for life you got to continue to progress yeah, I'm always really kind of in awe of people who just have effortless confidence because there are people like that who are just, you know, they don't like, they don't second guess mm -hmm. what they say or they just, they're just like, this is me, blah, you know, um, like I always like wish I could be that way. Um, and I always try, I, I work on being that way. But um, if I'm telling the whole truth, I'm not that way. And I, you know, I do think a lot about the things I've said after and, you know, sometimes before. Um, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't have the answer other than um, sometimes I'll tell myself, you know, fake it till you make it. And that's, yeah. I think something a lot of women tell themselves uh, men too, I'm sure. But um, I am um, in the middle of reading. So, you know, I'm reading um, Sheryl Sandberg's lean in and she talks a lot about um, imposter syndrome mm -hmm. and overcoming that. And, I mean, the truth is that even women at the highest levels um, still struggle with that um, because it's, I think it's something um, growing up female and also just growing up human, probably, 
you're just, yeah, you're just sort of conscious about how people perceive you and how you're coming off. And so I think it's just something that develops. I, I don't know. I, like I said, I'm always working on it and I'm, I'm a lot better about it now than I used to be. Uh, you know, I, th- I think doing stuff like this helps, you know, I, um, a lot of times I, I am more nervous than I seem if I'm doing like a public appearance or, or a show, but I'd, you know, I think when you push yourself outside of your comfort zone or you do things that are beyond your limits or you, um, you say yes to something that you feel, you know, maybe not entirely ready for or qualified for, then you expand your boundaries. And then the next time you are presented with an opportunity like that, you might feel a little more comfortable or you might feel like you're able to go a little bit further outside of your comfort zone. And it's very incremental and it's sort of, it's really messy and it's definitely not a straight line and everyone has their own path. So what I'm saying that works for me isn't going to work for a lot of other people, but um, I don't know if, if anyone else has tips on how to be, an effortlessly confident person. I, I'm all ears. Well, I think one thing you mentioned I had that I had a previous guest. He said one of his goals is just say yes more often, and like you said, mm. that gets you to into it. How do you yeah. use? How do you, anxiety is often used as such a negative word, right? Mm-hmm. Anxiety medication. Everybody, I'll do things. Don't have anxiety on this snap. But I will always like to tell my students use it, use it because mm-hmm. it helps you. It helps you realize if you're nervous. Hey, that means you're doing something that's awesome and important. How do you use anxiety? to your advantage because of another reason I think you mentioned imposter syndrome which affects me all the time too but because of that because of that little nagging thing in the back of my mind like am I am I good enough it does make me kind of dig a little deeper it makes mm-hmm. me you especially you as the editor it does make me double check things three or four <laughs> times because I'm so worried so how do you use anxiety as instead of a negative but as a, as a positive as a, as a strength that's a oh gosh that's such a good question because I know you do. From what I know about you, you do use it to at your advantage. Oh, well, thank you. I think it's, um, what's the word? Um, oh, I'm blanking on the exact word right now, but I actually, I sort of have a unique perspective on anxiety is that it's almost like a generational gift because I, bear with me on this one because yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to like go way back with this I one. I think I know where um, you're going with this. I you like know it. where I'm, you know me already, so you know where I'm going. <laughs> so I, yeah, I think a lot of specifically um, Jewish people of my generation deal with anxiety. And that is because their grandparents um, survived the Holocaust. And I think people who like, I mean, there's a lot of people who were, who were victims through just, you know, it was, it was, it was a horrific lottery. Right. Um, But I think like, there were some people, my grandparents included, who um, were extremely, um, not alert to their situation, but like very like paranoid, basically. <laughs> um, and because you had to be, yeah, you had to be. Like if you weren't, it was it's sort of like a prey mentality, right? Um, and if you weren't like, you know, that creature like looking for an opportunity to scamper away, like you wouldn't necessarily you know, yeah. you wouldn't necessarily have another generation. Um, so like a lot of us are descendants of that. And so there's that generational aspect to it. And so I like, I kind of think of it as a gift. Like if it wasn't mm-hmm. handed down to me, I wouldn't exist. So it's like, 
be alive with it or not exist. So I'll choose, obviously, not that I have a choice, but choose the former. Um, And I think when you look at it that way, you don't think of it as such a negative. You think of it as like a filter through which you can see life and um, something that actually saved your family. Turning things over in your head, Mental, like moving mentally sort of like fast through through the situations be, being resourceful um all of that just sort of filters through somehow and um but i guess to apply it to this day and age um you know it's not it's not necess- it's not healthy necessarily it's there's a lot of um health consequences to it. But I think if you can channel it in the right way and you can keep it, if you can keep it managed, then I think you can actually become a high performer in in whatever you do because like stress is there for a reason, right? Biologically, it wouldn't be there if there wasn't a purpose to it. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily like adapted to our world today, but it still helps us do the things that we need to do and still pushes us. And uh, I heard someone say that, um, we kind of have a negative, like humans in general kind of have a negative outlook on things because like the, the ones that weren't constantly like seeing the need for improvement and improving their circumstances didn't necessarily like evolutionarily, they, you know, evolution, yeah. 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 Evolution chose for like the people who like looked around and, yeah. And said, so, like, well, that needs to improve, and that needs to improve, and this isn't good enough. And so that's sort of, like, we have, like, a negativity bias, right? Um, so but I think just knowing knowing that sort of transcends it, can transcend it and harness it for better. You often hear the saying, a pressure is a privilege. Well, I truly think anxiety is a privilege as well. And, and for me, a lot of times if I delay something and then I wake up that day, I'm like, oh, my mm. gosh, I got, I got X, Y, and Z <laughs> to do. I have to get it done. That's my caffeine. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't drink coffee. And so that's, that's like, for me, that's like, better get moving, Randall. You got things to do. So <laughs> I, I definitely, like caffeine is also my caffeine, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, you're talking to like a, a journalist who lives on deadlines yeah, yeah. and yeah, if that, de- like, if I don't have a deadline, I will just take, got to create one. Yeah. All my time. Yeah. yeah. And even, even if it's coming from me, I, for some reason, I, don't always respect it as much as like if it comes externally. I, like I need someone to tell me like this is when you need to get this done. So what about then for your in, internal intrinsic motivation? You said you don't necessarily trust yourself quite as much as if it's external. So what if it's something you want to do, whether it be writing? I know yeah. you're working on a children's book and other yeah. projects. What about those, your own internal motivation? How do, you, how do you push through that when there's no one else saying, hey, get this done? Mm. Or do you I not? I think it just yeah. becomes so uncomfortable not to have done it. Okay that it's better to just be like, okay, I don't want to feel this guilt anymore of not having done it or this like mental, um, you should. And once that becomes great enough, I will sit down and do it because the alternative is, so I guess that that is being accountable to myself in a way. Yeah. It's it's a lot like when you talk to athletes who reach a certain goal and they, they often say it's it's relief more than it's mm. actually happiness because it's like mm-hmm. I don't, I'm no longer the what if mm. person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that makes total sense. You are in California and you love California, born and raised, but outsiders have a different perception. Outsiders have a unique perception. It's such a large state. You've got so many different 
biases, right? We think of NorCal, mm -hmm. we think of SoCal, we think of LA being in this, you see it on the news. When we see it on the news, it's for bad things. But then there's also all the mystique and the aura of Hollywood, mm -hmm. et cetera. And it's this mm -hmm. wonderful place. So you've had the whole gamut. Mm -hmm. so what makes you proud right now to be a California resident? Oh, such a great question. I could go on and on. And I was actually good, just thinking which is good the other because, day. Yeah. Because it does, it, from my perception, it seems like you would have minimal things at this moment. <laughs> um, yeah, I was actually just thinking the other day of how much I miss LA. I, LA is my hometown. Mm -hmm. And it does get such a bad rap, especially up here in Northern California where I live now. Um, like you do not want to be seen wearing a Dodgers hat where I live. Um, but if you really know LA, I, I just feel like, I feel like a lot of people, even some people who live in LA don't know it like as intimately as if you like, if you really like grew up as a child there and it has, it's so multidimensional and it's so, it's, you know, I don't know it. What comes to mind is, you know, how some women are sort of having like a re-reckoning sort of like, like Monica Lewinsky or Paris Hilton. They're kind of coming back. Yeah. Or David Letterman people, getting, and, yeah. Mm -hmm, and people are saying, well, maybe there's more to these mm -hmm. women than we thought there was. And we have this perception of them. And they're actually like really complicated, interesting women who um, are sort of a little bit victimized or a lot victimized um, by the perception of them. Um, that, I think that's an apt analogy for LA because people see LA as this sort of vapid, superficial place where people go to become famous and be self-centered. And yeah, it's got that element and that's what you, that's what people see from the outside. But when you're, when you grow up there when you're in it and when you like when I work for a place for like the, like I worked at the Los Angeles Times for a few years and you really get to see all of the intricacies and all the complexities and all the cultures and all the different like nooks and crannies and like it just like it could just slowly reveal itself forever it's um it's just it there's so much to it that like no one person could ever really discover it and it looks like a simple place but it's so it's one of the most I think complex places on earth like if you really dig down into it um, um that said I love where I live now too I guess I, I guess I've lived in two industry towns basically because now um I work in tech and I live in the Bay Area and it's as much about tech here as it was about entertainment when I was growing up in LA and it's um it's interesting to have a place to be like so all about something. And when you're not in that and you're living in that place, you can feel a little bit like an outsider. I, yeah, I guess, I guess I am a little bit self-centered about California because to me, it's like, you know, that's where all of our entertainment comes from. That's where all of our food comes from. That's where all of our technology comes from. Like what else, what else do you what need? You need yeah. Like, yeah. And you, you know, you can, you could be in the, like at the ocean in an hour or the snow in the mountains in an hour or like one of the world's best national parks in an hour from where I am anyway. Um, for, to me, it's just got, it's like, why, like I, it's just got everything. Like, why do you need anywhere else? <laughs> Even though I love traveling. Well, you've got to, elements of both. Live anywhere else. LA yeah. and living up North mm -hmm. now too.
And I know there's a rivalry. So today, today, now it could change tomorrow. And I know mm. you have elements of both, but on the spectrum of NorCal, SoCal, today, which way are you leaning? Oh man, I'm going to get so much flack for this. I, at heart, I think I'm always an LA girl. Okay. Yeah. You have seen the changes of education firsthand. Mm. At times you've been a teacher from home. I just think it's, it'd be the opportune time for us to just tear it down and overhaul the whole system because there's so mm. many things that are broken out. So going forward, what, what do you want in an idyllic, utopic educational system moving forward for your daughter? I would like, and maybe this is a dream, but I would like to see an education customized yeah. to each child. Um, and that would require smaller classes and you know, teachers trained specifically to do that. But I feel like a lot of education is so generic. Mm-hmm. And it's like a one size fits all slapped onto all children when, you know, each child is so unique and has such unique interests and abilities and skills and talents and, um, draw and drawbacks or, um, you know, things that they aren't so good at. And it's, so uh, it's hard. I mean, I guess in a way it's, it's, good for at least part of their education to be the same for everybody mm-hmm. because that, you know, a lot of the world is that way and they will have to learn how to fit into, you know, something that doesn't necessarily fit them. But I do think that if we were able to harness each child's passion and love and talent individually, that we would cultivate a population that was so much more, passionate and able and probably mentally healthy that it would be worth investing in. One of the criticisms during all this time was we got to put our kids back in school because they need the social skills. Mm. But I want to look at it from the other angle. Like, do they, do they really Mm. need the social skills? What I mean by that is Mm. how many situations will they be in going forward? If everybody's working from home and doing these things kind of in silos, will they need to have these social skills? Mm. Like, do we need to put that on as a precedent of a reason to let's get our kids back in schools during a pandemic mm-hmm. because they mm-hmm. need the social skills? Like, do they? Question mark? <laughs> I would hope that they would. I hope yeah. that, that our society isn't heading in a way that we're going to be so individualistic mm-hmm. that we can just all work in our bedrooms for the rest of. The introvert in me is fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Hashtag that's why, right here, that's, why, but, that's why I ask about, is it, right. is it necessary? Because when people say, well, they're always on their phones. They need to be more mm-hmm. social. Mm-hmm. They're on their phone yeah. because they're working, maybe because they're checking email. Like it's not a, there's this negative view of always being on your phone, but yet you know how much I get done on my phone. So it's true. Yeah. I mean, the phone is the portal to the whole rest of the world. Yeah. But um, as an introvert, I think because I'm an introvert, like naturally, I have pushed myself to develop extrovert skills. And I'm, I'm guessing since you have a podcast, you too. Um, That's imposter syndrome for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, I th- yeah, I mean, I've, I've, there's been, I mean, a lot of my life has come to me through developing extrovert skills. and um, uh, That's true. And I think that um, not looking at it necessarily through a selfish lens, but sometimes I just enjoy using social skills to make other people happy, you know, like almost like, Maybe it's performative, um, which is like the buzzword of the day, right? But, um, but like, you know, if you're, even if you're interacting with someone who, you know, you don't, can't necessarily get any benefit from, like, 
whatever, cashier. And you just, I don't know, turn on the charm, be extra nice, be extra social, like tell them they look nice, whatever. Um, to, you know, thank them for doing their job because like, you know, a lot of people wouldn't do that right now. And they're really important. Make them feel good about themselves and just leave them feeling better about their day, themselves, life in general. Like that's a good use of social skills, right? It's you're just spreading positivity um, rather than just kind of like mumbling a thank you and throwing a change at them. And Almost as if we store. send our kids back to school, we send them back <laughs> to school to teach the soft skills and the compassion. Soft and then- skills, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've, seen, I've seen so many people succeed enormously just because, not just because, I mean, they have other talents, but who wouldn't have succeeded the way they have if they didn't have the social skills that they have and mm-hmm. if they didn't make other people feel the way that they make other people feel about themselves. Yeah, I mean, I even think... I, it made me think about when I asked you about how you interview over the charm of having an mm. interview because mm. it, if that's your, what you succeed in and, you, and you're stuck with interviewing like this, maybe. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's good. It's good to use social skills for the, for the benefit of others, um, like for the benefit of yourself too, but as much yeah. for the benefit of yourself as for like brightening up someone else's day or um, getting something in, like you feel is important done um, for yourself or society. I mean, just think about politicians. I mean, they don't have the best reputation, probably for good reason, but I mean, someone like Bill Clinton or Joe Biden, not to compare the two, but they're both like extremely socially skilled. Like they will make you feel like you're the most important person in the world, you know? And I mean, you can, you can literally run the world on that. Yeah. And I guess the other angle would be, you know, we are, we're, no, we're tribe people, like as, mm-hmm. as at the root of it. So it's, that's right. Might as well keep it and answer it. What have you enjoyed most in this first quarter of 2021? What I mean by that, as far as what were the, the books you've been reading, shows mm-hmm. you've been watching, just mm-hmm. what have you just enjoyed about the year? Yeah. I guess one thing that the pandemic has really helped me develop in myself is kind of like a joy for the small things mm-hmm. and being able to stop and recognize them when they're happening. And one movie I watched that really emphasized that for me. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what it is. That's what I've been experiencing lately is soul from Pixar. Have you seen that? Not yet. I, I recently acquired a Disney account, so it's on there the list. Go. I haven't, I haven't yeah. Yet. It's really good. It's, um, I, well, I don't want to do any spoilers for you or people who haven't seen it, but it really, um, the ending of the movie is just this deep appreciation for life itself. Like nothing that you accomplish in life, no, you know, no title that you acquire, no big accomplishment, but just like sitting there and like opening your hand and having a little like seed flutter down from the tree and land in your hand. Like that's, that's the scene that sticks with me. And I think it's supposed to, Uh, yeah. I mean, I had been thinking about it a lot, but it really, was able to like make concrete the fact that like, it's just the little things in life that really make a life um, and not the big accomplishments. And so I'm able now because I think of the pandemic and also because of parenthood and um, with some help from movies and books that, um, that I've seen and read to kind of slow down 
and enjoy moments more without thinking about what's the next thing on my to-do list or where are we going next or um, it's hard to do, but it's something I'm getting better at. Any book recommendations? You know what? I'm actually reading the, I'm, well, I'm listening to um, The Nightingale, your recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not done with it yet, but um, <laughs> for anyone listening, he, he, I think he's swooning. I am swooning would be the best way to describe that. <laughs> um, and then listeners know, I won't even say where listeners know my adoration. It is the most important thing in my life. <laughs> What's that? The, just the book. It is. I don't think anything means as much to me as that book means to me. So it's so good so far. Yeah, and I'm probably oh, I'm I'm a slow reader these days, but um, not even halfway through it. But oh, thus far, thus far, and I, I think I know the answer. But thus far, of the two sisters, which one are you more like? Mm. Which one am I more like? Yeah. Oh gosh, that's so hard. I I see myself in both of them. Um. I'd like to say Isabel. That's the popular um, answer, but I think I think you're, I think you're Vian. Well, I, I'll have to wait until the end of the book to see <laughs> see what that means. They're exactly. both great choices. They're both great choices. I don't know. Well, Vian, she kind of like she goes along with her circumstances yeah. so far. I mean, I don't know what happens. I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't speak to it without finishing it. But um, well, at this point, I, I'd like to be more like Isabel, but. Okay. I probably am not. <laughs> well, her newest book is sitting right over here. Uh, mm. The Four Winds. It came out. Um, so what's next? As we are in the second quarter of, of the year, what is next for you? What are the big plans for the next few months? Good question. Um, I, I, I would like to say that I'm farther along than when I talked to you last time. But, um, you know, I have uh, my full-time job now, which is keeping me busy. Mm-hmm. Um, I am... I still have the goal of getting my children's manuscript published, which I haven't made much progress on. So if there are any publishers out there listening, reach out. Um, I would love to get back into a fitness routine. I think I told you last time my gym closed. Um, I know that's sort of a prosaic cliche goal, but um, get back into some kind of routine like that after COVID. Um, and, uh, get vaccinated. Uh, as good of goal as any. Yeah. Yeah. And once more, how can people stay up to date and follow your life and career? Yeah. I'm most at, on my social networks. I'm most active on Twitter, which is, which is the best at, one of all of them. Anyway. <laughs> it's at Abitel B. And, um, also if you want to read some of my writing, uh, or find out more about me, Abitel Oh, sorry, abitalandrews.com. On the new website. The new, yeah, newish now, yeah. Newish. I always just enjoy chatting with you because I know it's, I know that it, not only is it fun and enjoyable, but I also know it's like a higher level of intellectual conversation. Oh, well, thank you. I always, I, yeah, I, I, it leaves me thinking too. Like, oh, yeah. Which is for me, that's like all I want. Like, mm-hmm. I want every day to just be filled with like being able to think. Always love talking to you, but thank you for today. We'll, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Sounds good, Randall. See you soon. Bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Avital. Be sure to give her a follow. And for more information, check out her website, avitalandrews.com. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone's unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, 
Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son.